Welcome to Spark. I'm Angela Wagner, and I am here today for a very special episode where we recap some of our favorites in our season one 2017 Spark Inspire Your Life. So I thought this would be really fun to start the year with just a little bit of inspiration from some of the episodes that we loved. Nicole, Sarah, and I got together and talked about some of our favorites, and they're pretty much all the same. So Um, I'm super excited to share this with you today. So those of you that are new to the podcast, this will give you some specific episodes that might be fun to go back to and listen to. And then some of you that have already heard these, just great reminders and maybe something that you want to revisit. So I'm going to start off with episode number 43 with Danae Barahona, and she is with a company she created called Simple Families. I personally have had such a great experience working with her, and I follow her blog and and on her Facebook page, and she's just a really amazing resource for moms and dads. So Sarah writes, I love, love, love this episode because as a professional kid watcher, I'm always seeing these parents who hover like the world is going to end if their kid falls off a three-foot jungle gym ladder. My favorite part was when she talks about letting kids have open-ended, non-directed time to play and create and do their own thing instead of limiting them by constantly hovering around and telling them to be careful, and two, deciding what they should be doing with all these adult-invented crafts and activities. Everything is better when the kids lead the way in play. Sarah, I could not agree more. So here's just a short expert from episode 43 with Danae Barahona. And part of that, my background, I actually started off as a behavior therapist. So I worked with parents who had children with severe behavior problems. So I've kind of blended the two worlds of positive parenting and behaviorism, which sometimes are conflicting. So you'll find parenting experts on one side of the token and on the other side of the token. And since my background is in both sides, I feel like finding that middle ground has really been the key for me and for my audience. And there are a lot of experts out there who say, you've got to let your kid cry it out. And then there's a lot of experts out there that say kids should never be left to cry it out. And I believe in finding a middle ground. So really finding a way to connect with your child and to meet all of their needs. But at the same time, understanding that crying is a form of communication. And it's a form of communication for kids who aren't yet fully verbal and who can't really explain or truly understand everything that's going on inside their little bodies. So some amounts of crying is completely normal and it's healthy for well-adjusted kids. It's a healthy thing for kids to cry a little bit and for them to learn to work through that. And that's a natural part of the process. So, but at the same time, acknowledging that we're not just going to let kids scream their head off and manage their problems that way. So how do we be present, but at the same time, set firm, loving boundaries for our kids? Oh yeah, that makes so much sense. That's one of the things I think I was so surprised at when I started doing all this research. As soon as I had Luke, I was just bought like every book because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then, and then just the, the the difference. And obviously, it's you know just like anything. There's so many different opinions, but I mean, it was literally like you do this or you're a terrible person, you know. And then like, oh, I always tell every new parent, do not go on the mean blogs. Like there's blogs where people are so judgmental and mean, you know, about if you do it this way, you know, you're awful. And I'm like, oh, don't just don't do it. Don't go on there. <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> I don't think you're alone in that. I think that's the sentiment that most parents feel once they, I mean, it's like this new job that you're taking on that you have no training for, and it's the most important job that you'll ever have. Yes. I mean, that's true. And again, I really, all my friends, I'm like, listen, your hormones are insane. So like everything seems so much more intense when you read it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm when you're in, yeah. in it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I'm really interested. I have so many questions for you. So we may not do all the sucky moment and all that because I just want to keep asking you questions because you're just a wealth of knowledge. But I'm interested in like when you became a minimalist. So tell me kind of how that happened and why. Sure. So I have a lifetime of clutter built up. I mean, when I was that kid who your parents opened the closet door and everything fell out on you, literally like everything would fall out. I collected anything from stickers to stamps to like you name it, everything. (laughs) It's not that I wanted to be messy or even that I liked being messy. It's that I just didn't know how to clean it up. I didn't know how to do any different. And it wasn't until I was an adult that I started to discover I had a messy room because I had too much stuff, you know, and I didn't want to recreate that with my kids and that in order to stay decluttered and to really start living the simple life at home, as far as our material possessions are concerned, we had to change the way that we were buying. We had to buy more intentionally. And that was the biggest change that once we got rid of the stuff, we had to keep the stuff from coming into our house. So our next episode is episode 39 with a dear friend of mine, Janine Donofrio. And I found her on Instagram after not seeing her for about seven plus years. And um, this episode is really, really inspiring for a lot of reasons. And I just urge you all to listen to it if you haven't heard it yet. She talks about just going for it, even when you don't know if what you're doing is the right thing. Just start and see how it feels and know that you don't have to keep doing it if it doesn't work out. But the starting is valuable in and of itself. So there's a lot of really great inspiration in her story and how she got started in her food blog and now almost two cookbooks later, Love and Lemons with Janine. One day I was just looking through my feed and Catherine had tagged you and she was like, she made something and she was like, thanks for the recipe. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I wonder what Love and Lemons is. And I click on it and I'm like, oh, okay, it's a food blog. Oh, these are pretty pictures. And I start looking through and all of a sudden I see a picture of you. (laughs) You're like, I know her. Yeah, because, you know, most know. of your pictures are food. Mm-hmm. So I think I had seen it and I just never knew it was you. And then I was like, oh, my God, it's Janine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what do you rate your sucky moment as? Okay. So yesterday I was trying to do too many things at once, which is something I do often. Uh, I was cooking. I think in the oven. I was checking my Instagram. I was trying to set up a photo. And then I was making this spicy poblano sauce my Vitamix blender and, um, and it splashed up and landed right in my eye. And I was like, <laughs> and it'll, you know, spicy sauce in your eye. It hurts. Ow. <laughs> and you're only going to rate that a one. <sighs> like, why is well, that only one? <laughs> this is so great. So are we, we often talk about like inspiration coming from, you know, all different stages in life, but there's so many people are like stuck in a doubt or a fear that kind of stops them from doing something that they want, really love doing. So what were kind of some of your doubts and fears and how you kind of overcame those? Yeah, definitely. Well, I, Actually, I was going to say my doubt and fear about starting the blog was, you know, who would read it? (laughs) Like, if I start this thing, who's going to read it? I knew, like, I knew my mom would read it, but I didn't (laughs) know if anybody else would. You, You kind of, it's a weird thing to start because I think I had a vision of, like, 
doing it, just how other bloggers had done. Although at that time there weren't all that many, but it was okay. I write something and people read it. And, but starting the first one, it's like, you know, literally you open the WordPress and it's like, hello world. (laughs) It's like, who's reading this and how are you going to sort of get this? Like, are people going to read it? Is it going to work? Or is it just going to be this hobby thing? And then it's going to peter out. But I think that actually the biggest fear, because I spent about maybe two years sort of feeling unsettled in my career and like I needed a change, but I couldn't figure out what it was. And I would make all these plans or think like, oh my gosh, I have to think about and plan the perfect thing to do next after design. And it was paralyzing. So I think what I ended up actually at the time I was seeing um, a life coach and it was like one of the recommendations was like, start a blog. And I was like, oh yeah, I wanted to start that food blog. So I think just starting, but not thinking too, too much into it. Like just do something and start it and see if it works. And if it doesn't, you can always not keep doing it. But I think, you know, getting stuck in a rut is it's real. Yes. Okay. So what are some turning points that kept you going? Well, at the beginning, it was bigger sites would link to us. And it it was a little bit by a little bit. I think the first week I launched and then like Glamour Magazine linked to us. And I was like, oh my God, that's this huge. We're going to be big. But like, I mean, the one little link like doesn't make it big. (laughs) Yeah. But it was like all these little things. It would be like another bigger site. You should do what you procrastinate doing. Hmm. Like follow what it is that you procrastinate because that's like what you're going to work obsessively at. So I kind of was like, all right, I'm just going to start this because this is what I want to do all day. And this is what I want to work on. So yeah, that's so cool. Our next recap is episode 34 with Sarah Reardon, the vagina whisperer. Now, ladies, if you haven't listened to this episode, you absolutely have to. If you are a woman, you should listen to this episode and you will thoroughly enjoy it. Sarah is a pelvic health specialist. She, I have worked with her personally. She is unbelievable. She's an amazing human. She's an awesome mama. She is an incredible wellness professional. And this episode, like Sarah, is just really raw, honest, and real, which is what I love so much about her. And it really falls under the category of things that we just don't talk about enough, but we definitely should. Happy listening. So Sarah is a pelvic health physical therapist specializing in prenatal and postpartum care for women. She is a New Orleans native who just returned home after 17 years away, and she had lived in Dallas before that. She's a mom of two, and her youngest is five months old, a wife of one, as she says. (laughs) (laughs) Just want to be clear about that. Just be clear, wife of one, yes, and trying to save the world one vagina at a time. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, so we're going to move on to Sarah's sucky moment of the week. And what do you rate your sucky moment as? You know, I rated it a three. Seriously? Um, so my moment was we are trying to teach my son to sleep in a toddler bed, and he has been crawling out in the morning. So I came up with the genius idea to turn the doorknob lock around and lock him in, which People may have their own opinions about the safety of that. I have my own questions about the safety of that, but we did it. And we walked in on Monday morning to find him out of his crib with poop smeared all over the chair, the floor, and the toys in his room. (laughs) Okay. 
So we're going to move on to Sarah's expertise on pelvic health. I think let's just start with how to pee and how to poop. Let's go over how to how to pee. So the number one thing is to sit and not squat. I know that we've got some germaphobe mamas out there that want to hover over the toilet, but it's really best to sit down and just relax and to not power pee, which means like to strain or push when you pee. I was very guilty of this because I'm always in a hurry and I would like push out my pee really fast, but that can actually cause weakness in your muscles over time, which can lead to urine leaking out or your pelvic organs like your bladder and your uterus um, not being supported and it can lead to what's called prolapse. So to pee, you just sit down, relax, breathe, and just let your bladder do the work like a balloon that's going to push the the pee out. So it really will work for you if you just kind of relax. Okay. So relax and sit down, Nicole. Got it. I'm totally guilty of that one. Like I try to be so efficient. I try to go as fast as I can. (laughs) No, don't do it. Don't do it. I know we all do because we're like in a hurry all of the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, We want to go into the good stuff next, pooping. (laughs) (laughs) take it there all right let's do it um so this is actually one of my favorites because I think a lot of people are having trouble pooping and if you don't have a good poop it could totally ruin your day and if you have an amazing poop you can have an amazing day I mean it can literally literally make or break your day whether you have a good poop or not I look at vaginas all day and it's like working on an ankle or a wrist it's just another body part it's not that mystical. I know. I find that really interesting that in our society, like vagina and penis, like adults don't say the words. Like we even just like make little fun words for it as adults to adults. You know what I mean? Like we're like saying vajayjay. (laughs) Yes. And that's one of the things is that, you know, now that we're raising kids, I'm like, I've got to teach them the real word for these things like penis or vulva. And my husband's like, really, Sarah? And I was like, really? I mean, I just can't have my kid walking around being like the cuckoo caca, you know, when they're talking about their penis or something. So we say the word penis and we say the word vagina. And it's kind of funny even for me to be like, oh, this is what I'm teaching them. But I, this is where it starts in the home. We've got to teach them that it's just like saying elbow or arm or eye. Next up, we go back to our roots where Miss Nicole and I are co-hosting which I'm super pumped about. And just so you guys know, we've already started recording together for season two. We have four episodes that we've worked through. So I'm super pumped next week. She is officially back. But episode 30, there's two pretty cool lessons that we're going to recap. One is a sucky moment that I had that I share that gives me a great life lesson. And the second is the lesson of dropping the screens. We discuss how to do that, how to spend less time and give you some really great tips on something that's pretty, 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 pretty important for all of us. All right, we're going to start with our sucky moment of the week. And I'm going to rate my sucky moment as a four. Oh, gosh, I felt like such a crumb. Okay, so I went to Fuddruckers with my mom and dad and Luke we were parked in a spot that was right next to a handicap spot. So like we were the last regular spot and to our left was a handicap. And then there was like a blank spot that was, 
you know, where they put the lines where no one's allowed to park. Mm -hmm. And then there was another handicapped spot after. And this guy like comes around the corner to, to park. He's got this bright yellow sports car and he's blaring this music and he's this really good looking guy and he's got a muscle tee on and he's all cut and he's just sitting there waiting for us. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, listen, jerk, like move, you know, like go somewhere else. And I looked and I'm like, it's a handicapped spot, you know? So, and I looked at his dash and I was like, surely this guy's not handicapped. And I didn't see a handicapped thing. I'm in my head, like irritated with it. And he sits there and waits and then he pulls in, but he pulled in like kind of half into that spot and half into the one that's not really a spot. And my initial reaction was like, what a jerk, you know? And he opens up his door and he pulls out this like um, wheelchair seat and he starts to put it together. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, I just felt like such a jerk. <laughs> it was just a great eye opener. And I thought, "Ooh, there is a life lesson. And I'm glad that, you know, that was I could have been worse. So <laughs> oh, hats off to that guy. <laughs> OK, so we have a very interesting ask coach a wags this week so how can i get my husband my kids and myself off of our screens it seems like someone is always glued to a tv computer or phone oh such a good one (laughs) i mean who can't relate to this (laughs) yeah okay so the big thing is that you really need to set rules around all of it because if you don't, then it gets out of hand. And I think that is just something you have to decide that if you want to make a change, you have to set hard and fast rules about when the screens can be used and when they can't. So do you put your phone on airplane mode? No, I don't do airplane mode. Mine has that do not disturb mode. I oh, go that's into right. do, I just put it in do not disturb and then I charge it literally across the room from me because that helps me get up in the morning when it's really far away to turn the alarm off. So it's plugged into the wall during the night and it's on the other side of the room for me. So that keeps me from like having it within a hand's reach. Because sometimes like, especially right now, I'm waking up a lot during the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. And if it's close by, I'll just be like, oh, I'll just take it to the bathroom with me, you know, kind of thing. So I have to put it way over there. (laughs) Yeah, because then it wakes you up. I know when we're up with the kids, we both do the same thing and then we can't get back to sleep. And it's like, hello. It's kind of interesting when you're a parent because all the things that you're like, oh, don't do that. And then for me, I realize we're doing those things like we need to start making the change. (laughs) Exactly. Modeling the behavior you want them to create a habit around. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, why would I want that for him and not for us? Like that doesn't even make sense. Yeah. So watch what you do as an example. Next, we move on to episode 26, where we were about halfway through our first season as podcasters. This one is about the five love languages. And if you've never read this book, I highly recommend at least listening to this episode. Everyone can benefit. And there's just some really, really cool tips and tricks that you can use when you really understand the people around you. Okay, so today we're going to talk about our main topic is about something that you and I, Nicole and I have gotten into in the past couple months, and it's called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. So give us a little information about what the five love languages are. Totally. 
So there's five different categories and we'll talk about the quiz too, how you know where you'll end up, like which categories you end up in. But there's five different categories, quality time, acts of service, words of affirmation, physical touch, and then receiving gifts. And once you take the quiz, you kind of score in different areas and then you end up with like your top two and your bottom two, like that kind of thing. It puts them in an order for you. Okay, cool. So let's go through each one. So quality time is? Giving someone your undivided attention. Okay. So yeah. So I mean, this one is having to put the phone down. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly like when Vic and I talked about it, I was like, that is my number one pet peeve is when someone's talking to me and they don't even put the phone down. I'm like, oh, this is a big one. And it turned out to be my number one. And then the second one is acts of service. Which is doing things for someone else. Okay. And this one is definitely my number one. And what I read up on it, it said like it requires planning, thought, time, energy, and effort. And so I was like, yes, see, all those things show love to me. I'm like, if you think ahead and you give me your time, your energy, effort and you do something for me, that to me shows love more than anything else in the world. So access service for like if someone lives with you could be like emptying the dishwasher, doing laundry, like going to the grocery store, anything like that is huge for people that score high in the acts of service. So the third one is words of affirmation. Okay, so that's like verbal compliments, some sort of words of appreciation. Okay, and then physical touch. Any form of physical, loving kind of touch. It's also incredibly important for babies. They say like babies that are touched more, like have way better responses later in life and all these different studies. I don't know the specifics of it, but it's really kind of amazing how important touch is at such a young age. And and then the last one is receiving gifts. Now, these are like a visible symbol of love to someone who speaks this language. (laughs) Yeah, so that's key, right? So someone who speaks this language. So all of this stuff is so interesting to me, and it's really helpful in your love relationships. It's also really helpful with your kids and helpful with your work relationships, too. It's important for us in our relationships not to only show love from what we want to get. It's really showing love is about what the other person needs. The next episode was one of my absolute favorites because it was a special for Mother's Day. Episode 21 had my mom, Marie Barisi, as our special guest, and she shared a lot of her wisdom that she has from working for many years with Weight Watchers. So she gives a lot of tips and very cool things that can help you to eat better and not feel so guilty around food. And then we finished off the episode with tearful, heartfelt, loving words from our listeners to their moms. Um, Okay, so we're going to start with our sucky moment of the week. I went to the club to do my Zumba class, which I absolutely love. And they're posted on the and I checked online before I left the house who the instructor was. And I got there and on the door of the club was the um, notice that the class was canceled last minute no explanation and I just stand there and go "Ah!" (laughs) (laughs) got it so the inspired action 
could be next time to maybe stay and work out. I've been thinking about that. And <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to move on to a topic that a lot of people um, are always looking for tips on. It does talk to the members. The members come in and you weigh them and members will chit chat with you, but they're really there to hear the leader. And after a couple of years, I became a leader and I enjoyed that a lot. Helping people, listening to their, their, you know, stories, their life, what's going on. And after a while, I could see that there was this general thread running through everybody's life. They tended to have some of this, even though their lives were completely different, they tended to have the same problems with keeping the weight off or staying within what they considered a diet. So some of the things I ended up coming out away with were trying to get to, trying to explain to my members consistently that we don't like change. We fight it. We think we want everything to stay the norm. But when we think about it, we really have to get our bodies, we have to change to get our bodies to change. There's no other way. We keep, what's that saying about if you keep on doing the same thing over and over again? Mm, insanity. Insanity, right. And expecting different results, right. So I think a couple of light bulbs did go off at different meetings with people. And another thing I always try to explain to people, it's feedback, not failure. Weight Watchers was always very big with keeping a journal, a daily food plan. And um, I used to tell them, it's a teacher, not a judge. We judge ourselves so much all day long. We always have that chatter going on in our minds. It's so much better just to look back on it and say, okay, that's what I did. And I used to encourage my members, write it down. Just because you didn't write it down doesn't mean you didn't eat it. <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> right. So It doesn't count. <laughs> Right, exactly. The slice, the really skinny sliver of cake, you know, has no calories. Yeah, and even like as a mom, I've noticed, I remember reading and some of my friends told me like they would always clean up their kids' plates, like whatever the kids didn't eat, they would just like shovel it in their mouths and they're like, there's all these extra things I'm eating I don't even realize and I think they don't count, you know. Exactly, and now that the kids are here, I'm finding myself doing that sometimes. <laughs> I've got to stop this. <laughs> this week's shout out goes to our awesome moms. And here is a tribute from our listeners. Mom, I love you because you feel like coming home. You're home to all my joy, disappointments, heartaches, mess ups and triumphs. You carry the load, not just for me, but for all the people you love. You're the ultimate burden bearer. You find all lost things and can make magic with butter, brown sugar, and pecans. You have taught me that there is always something to watch on TV during baseball season. A borrowed plate should never be returned empty. A hot bath cures most ills. Ironing is not optional, mostly. Baked goods should be made often and shared generously. And if you're going to half it, don't do it at all. Love, Dixie. Mom, I love you because you embody the concept of unconditional love. I really do believe that no matter what path I chose in life, you would have supported me and loved me. I think this is one of the most important things that a kid can have growing up. 
You taught me to read and gave me a love of reading. You taught me how to follow a recipe and basic skills in preparing my own food. I came into cooking very late in life, but when I got into it, I observed just how good you were at it and made it all look effortless. One of my favorite memories is when we went to Hawaii in 1988. One of the attractions of the island was to ride to the top of an active volcano and then bike down. We were the only ones who wanted to do it because you had to wake up at 3 a.m. That and every single roller coaster you ever took me on. Love, Tony. Mom, thank you for always being my best friend. Even when I didn't realize that's what you were doing. Love, Nicole. The thing that always pops into my head when I think about how much my mom loves me is the following. Once in college, I found out I had to have surgery a day or two later. It was too late to get a flight, but there was no way my mom wasn't going to be there, so she rode a bus all night from California to Texas to be here before I went into the hospital. Hashtag mama bear. Hashtag only a mom. Love, Evelyn. Mom, I love you for all that you do for our family and others in the community. You always make holidays very special. You fill your home with decorations which create festiveness, warmth, and connection. I have fond memories of our annual trips to Colorado where we have amazing views of Pikes Peak, going to the Broadmoor for a walk around the lake, or having a glass of wine outside the El Colorado Lodge. Our annual mother-daughter trips have been so special to me. Thank you for teaching me to be strong and to be resilient in whatever comes my way. Love, Renee. Now we're going back to the very early days of the podcast in episode 15. And this recap starts with a little bit or a lot of bit of a sucky moment, which was a three month stressful kitchen remodel that I discussed a little bit about. So if any of you can relate to that, that is definitely in this episode. But the best part of this episode is the discussion on time. And Sarah writes, I think how we prioritize time is one of the most important things to be aware of. And people get so lost when it comes to that. I like the parts talking about being respectful of other people's time as well. It's a great episode to listen to to get real with yourself and commit to making the most of your and others' time. I couldn't agree more, and I think that this is a great time of year in January to really think about this subject. Last week was rough, which is why we ended up with our first spark short and... um. Well, that kind of segues into sucky moment of the week. Okay, so I originally had put this down as a three, but I I think that was kind of dishonest. So I'm going to give it a four. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so there's this one whole cabinet that the way they showed the design and what, what they actually make is totally different. And they don't, they won't do like a custom. And so... We just don't even know what we're going to do with that. It's just like sitting in the garage. Um, (laughs) Our vent hood, when you put our vent hood in, like, basically, like, you know, everything is wrong. Like, it wasn't, (laughs) the vent was, like, not, the air was just going into the attic. Like, it wasn't actually venting out of the house. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of the purpose. (laughs) I know. I was like, oh, so we're just, like, putting all this air into the attic. That's fabulous. Um, so we had to get like an electrician in there to like fix all that. And then, you know, I think I discussed before the wires were very dangerous. So we got all that fixed, put the vent hood in, which he said was a nightmare. And it was way too low. Like just John, if John were to like cook, it, he's six two, it would completely smash his head basically. Like he couldn't put his head like <laughs> under. 
Okay, so the major topic this week that we want to discuss, this is one of my favorites, and we one of the exercises that we do that's been so beneficial has to do with time. And you know, I often when I coach people, this is such a huge issue is like do you, people say like I don't have enough time to do the things I want to do. I'm so busy with work and life. The word busy and overwhelm comes up a ton in coaching. Mm-hmm. And you can't change things unless you know what's real. So you can't go off of your perception and like what you're feeling. It's just, it's often just not real. Yeah, I think it's like, uh, it has a lot to do with you personally, like how your day was, what kind of space are you in to how your perception is that day? Absolutely. And we tend to skew things to seem more like we want them to seem. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's easy to say things like, I don't have time. And then I spend an hour watching Scandal last night, which was fabulous, by the way, if anyone saw it. Ooh, it's getting good this season. (laughs) So that was kind of a fun tangent, but get clear. Okay, so I'm going to tell you how to do this. Now, the second one, the second thing about how to get clear is that you have to track your time, write down what you're doing and the times for now, the, what we do in Spark is generally two days during the week and one on the weekend. Nothing is right or wrong. I mean, watching three hours of TV is not wrong in and of itself. So you just want to get clear, though, on what's actually happening and what do you want to have happen. So um, another big one is social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the first thing. There's always like, you know, two things on my phone I always, always go for. And it's like, check Gmail, check Instagram, and then like, I don't know what else to do with my phone. Like, that's all it's for. (laughs) I know. Moving on to episode nine, where we discuss how to embrace change instead of running from it. And we talk about how it can be so scary and uncomfortable, but that that can actually be a really good thing. And in this time of year in January, when we're discussing goals and resolutions and lots of change that we want to make in our lives, this can be a really inspirational episode to revisit. So this actually kind of brings us right into one of the things that I want to talk about, which I think is so Oh, it's really come up a lot for me and I and us in this whole transition, and I think it's oh, so applicable in life, and that is in avoiding change or, on the positive side, embracing change, which, <laughs> you know, maybe I should have started with that, but let's be real here. <laughs> you know, and this is something that's so big in the coaching world because that's generally why people work with coaches is they want to create a change. And if we just made the changes, then we wouldn't need coaches and we wouldn't need tools and guidance and all these things that we talk about. So it's such an interesting question. And people ask me this all the time, like, why don't I do what I know is better for me? And it's, this is a good example, because it's not about the typical things you think of, like diet or exercise. But is it easier to stay? Yes, in in so many ways, it's easier to stay in what you're doing, because it seems comfortable, right? And we call I call it like the so called comfort zone, because we call it the comfort zone, because it it's like, oh, I'm cozy over here. But really, if you think about it, if you want to change, it's often not really comfortable where you are. Like being with our with our old processor wasn't comfortable. It was actually like a daily annoyance and stress. And for our customers, 
the idea of switching was uncomfortable. Yeah, it's going to be. And, and that's kind of how I think about it now. Like we're in the uncomfortable zone right now. We're working through it. It's super muddy. It's messy. But once we get to the other side of it, oh, like things are going to be so much better. But a lot of times you get stuck in that zone of like, oh, I just know how uncomfortable I'm going to be. But it's only for a limited amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then and then you think of, oh, my gosh, well, look at the, the benefit on the other side of it. And so that's so there's two questions that I think are really helpful. And you can ask yourself both of these questions. And what I found is some people are motivated by a positive question and some people are voted are voted. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Where's your mind? <laughs> Girl, I, there's like, I cannot even think. Sh- I'm like this. Oh, I don't even know if this podcast is going to come out right. We'll see. You guys, I'm seriously like mushy brain. But some people are motivated by more of a negative question. Here's what I mean by that. So the positive question is, what is the benefit to you if you stay versus if you leave, right? So what emotional benefit will you gain if you change? I shouldn't say leave because it depends on kind of what your situation is. But what is the benefit to you if you make this change? Your emotional benefit, your financial benefit, your physical benefit, like all the different types of benefits. And then on the opposite side of that, what is the cost to you if you don't make the change? So again, what's the emotional cost? What's the financial cost? What's the physical cost? Our decisions is our identity, how we look at things and how we like, operate in the world. And that's really just a label or a box that we put ourselves in because that, what does that mean, right? Exactly. And I mean, I feel like everything is learnable. I don't know if that's a word, but I feel like everything can be <laughs> everything can be learned. But like when you're in that zone of thinking about switching to a new job and it's something totally different from the realm that I was already in, like I could barely see past that. Like I didn't think I could actually do something else. So that's it for our season one 2017 Spark podcast recap episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed kind of going down memory lane. I know I really did. And I want to just give a really special shout out to, of course, Nicole, my awesome co-host and one of my very best friends, Sarah, who is just one of the most amazing writers and filling in whenever we needed her to, and really all the other people behind the scenes that support what I do. I just really can't thank you guys enough. And to the listeners, of course, if you guys didn't listen to this podcast, there'd really be no reason to do it. So I hope that you will join us for season two. We have some really, really cool things coming up. And as I said, next week, we're back on schedule with Miss Mama Nicola Schino, and we're going to hear all about baby Fiona and make sure you check the show notes because we're going to have lots of fun pictures on the show notes and on Instagram. So that's it for this episode of Spark. If you have a few extra minutes, please do an act of kindness and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to episodes. It really makes a tremendous difference to have a bunch of positive reviews. And if you guys could tell your friends, we could spread the word. You can always find the show notes, blog posts at AngelaWagnerCoaching.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Coach A Wags. And as always, please share suggestions, comments, pictures, and questions with us on social media. Remember this week to take the time to give thanks, raise a glass, and discover what it is that sparks you. Here's to an awesome 2018, y'all.